0: offer you judgment-free advice on how to raise value-driven children in a way that's right for your family using the most current scientific research out there. I'm your host, Dr. Deanna Marie Mason. I'm a certified pediatric nurse practitioner, published author, and expert in child development. I'm also the mom of two fabulous teens, so I know firsthand how much misinformation is out there, and that's why I'm here. So grab a cup of coffee or tea and settle in. This is a safe space where you can ask questions and get real, honest answers about how to raise kids in a way that works for you. George Floyd and Brianna Taylor, just to name a few, has touched just about every aspect of daily life. And our children are aware that something is going on, and as parents, we need to be guiding them to understand the situation As well as be a positive force for creating the world we want to live in where senseless deaths no longer occur. The American Academy of Pediatrics, also known as the AAP, you might have heard of that um, acronym instead, has recommended that parents proactively engage with children about racism. They note that even vicarious racism that's seen through social media, conversations, or images that are seen on TV can be harmful to children's health. And last year in 2019, they actually published a policy statement titled Racism and its Impact on Children and Adolescent Health. They wanted to address how racism affects all children both directly and indirectly, and they wanted to give parents tools to protect and guide their children from those harmful effects. So, research has shown that we develop biases about individuals and groups based on their membership categories, things such as race, and the biases that we learn reflect our cultural mindsets the stereotypes and prejudices that are pervasive in our communities. And because social biases have negative consequences for individuals and societies, it's so important to identify their roots so they can be corrected. This is not as easy as it sounds because it's almost hardwired into us to notice who is like us and who's different. We know that infants show visual preferences for individuals who match the same race as their primary caregivers and the individuals closest to them. And these early preferences shape our baby's visual perceptions of others, guiding them to notice differences between their own race individuals that are near them and notice fewer differences in people of other races. So I know this is kind of a crude generalization, but we see the outcome of this when someone says, oh, all Asians look the same, or I can't tell the difference between black men. While of course there is as much variation in every ethnicity as any other, we are programmed from infancy to see the details in people that look like us and not pay attention to the details of people who look different than us. It's this natural tendency that leads to these generalizations that then later are used to dehumanize other groups. By preschool, our little ones are noticing social categories, such as those based on race or gender, and they use these categories to guide their expectations and judgments about the people that they've never met. They start to transfer what they think they know to all the people around them. This means that they also can harbor implicit and explicit preferences for members of their own racial group. Let me describe what that looks like in real life. Um, Once at a multicultural event I attended, I watched an interaction between two small Indian girls who were very dark skin, um, meeting Nigerians who are Africans for the first time. And the Indian girls were absolutely terrified by the faces of the black Nigerians, even though their skin color was not very different. And after the two groups separated, the older Indian girl said to the younger one, we are brown, they are black. Now this antidotal interaction um, shows how early we learn to seek those who are like us and separate ourselves from people who we don't perceive to be like us. By age five, our children may use racial reasons for refusing to interact with others who are different than themselves. They they act uncomfortable around or may reject people who are visibly different from who they are. And school-aged children by age 12 may have already developed firm prejudices and those stereotypes will remain with them until a personal experience or someone attempts Attempts, excuse me, to to correct their misperceptions. What this means is we learn prejudice early in life. And if unchecked or uncountered, it becomes a natural state for us that we aren't even aware of. But it influences how we see others around us. This is why most people don't consider themselves as having racist ideas or perceptions about others. Yet, their words and actions, um, you can see these unspoken prejudices emerge. It isn't intentional, just a normal part of development that if it's never challenged early, it'll take root into something that feels completely natural but isn't. As our children grow and these biases become more ingrained when they see us expressing social bias, whether it's intentional or not, and often the source of this bias is language. When we put people into categories without any other defining or differentiating characteristics like that child is black or Dana is a woman, that generic language facilitates our children's creation and perpetuation of social categories. A unique study by Kaliskin, Bryson, and Narayana in 2017 showed that racial and gender bias is expressed so pervasively in natural speaking interactions that even machine learning algorithms picked up on those biases from language input alone. So AI, or artificial intelligence, learned about these biases from capturing our words and analyzing how we naturally speak. And as a result, AI also begins to adopt these biases. So we can't pretend that it isn't happening. AI is the mirror in which we can see this reflection clearly. Then, if we add on nonverbal biases that are shared with one's tone of voice, gesture, and facial expressions, it's very hard for our children not to pick up on what is happening in the community and adopting those ideas as well. In the end, our kiddos pick up perniciously these patterns of bias that are present in their social worlds, including our families, communities, schools, social media, visual media content, the news, everything. So what this means is that social bias and racism is transmitted naturally without us even trying. It's the elephant in the room that we pretend is invisible. We're all doing it, even if we aren't aware of it. I know this can sound harsh and judgmental, but it's what the research is showing. I believe that most people are good, honorable, kind, and have no ill will towards others. Yet we have systemic racism in our society and that can only happen if the majority of people are participating in it. So how can good people be participating in racist language structures and systems? And the research says that this happens without us being aware of it. We develop it through our interactions with our families, communities, and societies. We don't know what we don't know. It's only when it's pointed out and we are open to hearing the message that we can see what was previously unseen. The data that's coming out of research and investigation is clear. Racism, both subtle and overt, is present in our society. And we may be participating in it without understanding how or why. only by being open to this reality that we can honestly start to address the issue. This is what motivated the American Academy of Pediatrics to take such a strong position on the topic for all families. They know that racism is addressed by breaking the cycle during childhood. Early intervention is key. Therefore, we as parents must work intentionally to minimize what our children will learn from society. As parents, we are the earliest and most powerful source of racial attitudes, both positive and negative, that our children have. Since we learned our biases from our families and communities, the first place we have to start is to do some self-reflection about our own biases so that we can model an example that is consistent with the message of racial and ethnic tolerance. We can do this talking about race. It's okay for us to talk about race and correct our own racial bias thoughts, feelings and actions. We can show our children that we're open to learning how to be better and that gives them permission to change their perceptions too. Our everyday comments and actions will communicate more than anything else we do. Now we can't unlearn everything that we've picked up over our lifetimes in a day or a week. It takes time to become aware and to make changes. The goal is to focus on progress, not perfection. We're gonna make mistakes. And when we do, we have to acknowledge them and model a better response or action for our children because our little ones are watching us all the time. They are absorbing everything we say and do. Another thing we can do is to try to widen our social networks. We can be open to making friends and acquaintances from other ethnic groups. It may sound difficult, but trying to find a common interest can make it easier to connect with others who may seem really different from us. An example could be joining a multicultural book club where every member chooses a text from a writer from their background. By doing this we're encouraging our children to have diverse circles of friends as well and over time it can lead to engaging in multicultural activities and experiences which are really enriching. Another great way to help our children be more open is to bring them with us when we travel and let them experience new communities with us. Traveling helps both us and our kiddos understand that the world is diverse and full of lots of different people and experiences. Being in a different community of people, seeing how they live, noticing that everyone is searching for love, understanding, safety, and hope can help build connections between our lived experience and seeing the same themes in other groups of people. In my own experience as a parent, taking our kids with us when we traveled provided us all with a chance to notice our inherent biases and come to terms that many of them were unfounded. Regardless of the language being being spoken, the prevalent religion of the people, the types of foods eaten, the organizations of cities and towns, travel teaches us that people are people We aren't so different at the core of who we are, and the outside differences of dress or food is what makes the world so vibrantly beautiful. Variety truly is the spice of life. Along with reflecting on our own biases, we need to be intentional about talking with our children at each age and stage. Since we're still working on becoming aware of our own racial biases and prejudices, we cannot leave modeling as the only way to address this issue with our kiddos we need to have intentional conversations to be sure that our children are getting a clear message about our expectations some general approaches um, that we can use include checking in with our children and asking them what they know what they've seen or how they're feeling for example if we have a preschooler with us at the grocery store, and they start to notice and point out differences in people or ask about another person's skin tone, we could respond by saying, isn't it wonderful that we are all so different? Or maybe we could hold our arm against theirs to show that there's even differences in skin tone within the same family, but we're still part of the same human race, regardless of what skin color we have. These small interactions move race from being something that is othering or separating people from each other into something that highlights similarities while celebrating the small differences. With time, these mini conversations will have a tremendous influence on how our children approach the idea of race as they grow. An important action we can do, especially these days, with so much unrest present in the world, is put limits on what our children see in the media. There's a lot of discussion on race with graphic images of violence that can be confusing or scary to our little ones because they don't understand the images or the motivation for those violent actions. And it can make them be fearful of people that look like the ones being violent. So limiting what our kiddos see is very important. For school-aged children and teens who can understand a bit more about how people interact and how emotions motivate actions, we can begin to have open discussions with them about race, diversity, and racism. Being able to bring up conversations and talk about what is happening in the news will increase their confidence in coming to us with questions that they have about things that they've heard or seen. So how do we start having these conversations with our kiddos? Well, if our child is asking questions about race based on something they saw, we could ask questions like, how do you feel about that? Or why do you think that? Before actually addressing the incident. Because by opening with questions about how they perceive the situation or how they feel about it, they'll be able to create a personal connection to the situation and not just see it as something that happens to other people but recognize that those situations affect everyone, including people like them. Additionally, these types of conversations lay the foundation for our children to accept and respect everyone's differences and similarities. As our kiddos mature, we can expect to give more complex answers to their questions because their questions should become more complex. So by discussing these themes early and often, We'll be providing the groundwork for our children to see us as trusted sources of information on these topics. This will be a powerful tool to positively influence our children and break old cycles and habits, excuse me, of pernicious racism that have crept into all of our lives. We, as parents, have the power to influence and change the world that our children will live in in the future. This always gives me so much hope and makes the effort worth it. The literature is clear that talking about race is never racist. Rather, it's a practical, proactive approach to help offset what children are picking up detrimentally in the community about race. Being a good role model and discussing current issues in an age-appropriate and clear way are the best ways to guide our children towards a more inclusive, tolerant and compassionate understanding of others. The good news is that studies have shown that children's ideas about race and ethnicity are changeable, especially the earlier we start. Talking to our kiddos before they go to kidney garden is the best way to influence how they view others who may not look like them. We can use books, stories, and movies to show our little ones how wonderfully diverse and beautiful the world is, in addition to expanding their social circles with children from other ethnic backgrounds. It's clear from the literature that racism is a learned behavior, and if it can be learned, it can be unlearned. But more importantly, we can teach our children to be open to others and become aware of the complexity of humanity little by little as they grow. We have the power to influence our children at each age and stage. All we have to do is be proactive. I'm aware that this is a sensitive issue for many families. Please know that today's topic was meant to spark some reflection and empowerment that we do have the capacity and tools to shape how our children learn about race. If you have any comments or questions you'd like answered, please email me at Deanna at ProactiveParenting.com. And remember, you can find out more about me and what I do on my website, ProactiveParenting.com. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for my name, Deanna Marie Mason, where you can connect with other parents just like you. And finally, if you would like to purchase any of my books or online courses, you can do so on my webpage. Again, that's ProactiveParenting.com. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you found this episode useful and interesting. If you did, please leave a review and tell a friend so they can become a proactive parent too. That's all from me for right now. This is Dr. Deanna Marie Mason signing off. I look forward to seeing you again soon. But until then, take care and be well. Bye.